good morning from me. And uh, first of all, yes, thank you. Good morning. Um, <laughs> let me add my congratulations, of course, to Tony and Jill on this wonderful milestone in their lives, their 60th wedding anniversary. It's a privilege to be able to bring God's word to us this morning on such an occasion, a diamond anniversary. Of course, you have to be careful when you speak about anniversaries. I know that from my own experience. Um, especially in terms of gifts. I mean, I, I, I once had a, a rush of romanticism. And on, uh, I think it was on our 15th wedding anniversary. I don't know why 15, but it's over, over 20 years ago now. I decided I would buy Kathy a, um, an oven. Um, okay, it, it was a, a microwave oven. I thought it would, you know, cut down her time having to spend cooking. I didn't think maybe I should do a bit of cooking, but um, actually I don't think she'd want that either. But, but you do have to be careful, don't you? Um, actually, you laugh, but we've still got it and it's still going. <laughs> I said to her this week, maybe I'll buy you another one for our 40th. But... Uh, because it's not as bad as the man I, I heard about once who was, yeah, I think he was in a, a group of, um, well, like a, a marriage enrichment course, and uh, he, he was approaching his 50th, his golden wedding anniversary, and so the leader, I think the minister said to him, so Bill, just explain to us, just tell us, what's the secret, what's the success of, uh, you know, you've nearly now got to 50 years of marriage, happy marriage, and uh, Bill said, well, I, I don't know, really. I mean, I've always tried to treat my wife with respect. I speak kindly to her. And yes, I've bought her little gifts from time to time. And, um, but he said, I think the turning point came on our 25th wedding anniversary. Uh, she'd always wanted to go to Italy, so I took her to Rome and to Italy. And uh, the leader said, oh, that, that's lovely. So what are you going to do then for your 50th? He said, oh, I'm going to go and pick her up. Seriously, <laughs> today is a wonderful day to celebrate with Jill and Tony. So you might be thinking, why on earth do you read from the book of Lamentations? Of everywhere in the Bible, you could choose, and you've gone to the writings of Jeremiah. He's known as the weeping prophet. Is that anything to do with the day? No, certainly not. Of course, it's true that the book of Lamentations, as the name suggests, it is a difficult read if you know it at all. Jeremiah is overcome with, with sorrow and grief, and he's expressing his pain because of the destruction of Jerusalem, the holy city. It took place in about 587 BC. The Babylonian Empire came in, invaded, sacked the city, and uh, in fact, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew Bible, the title of the, uh, of the whole book of Lamentations is just one word. It's how, how. It's the first word, really, of an extended poem. The whole book is a, a long poem. How did this happen? How could this happen? How could you, God, let this happen? And so, yes, the atmosphere of the book is dark, uh, and it's bleak and almost hopeless. That hopelessness is reflected in, 
in many of the words, we didn't read them, I thought that would be a bit too much, but the words of the opening of this chapter, I am the man who has been afflicted by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and he has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. Wonderful. What was happening? Well, Jeremiah and his people, the people of Israel, especially of Jerusalem, they were trying to make sense of it all. Their world was in ruins. Their hearts were broken. And that's why the verses that Owen has just read to us stand out so wonderfully brightly, don't they? In the midst of this darkness, in great contrast, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I think those words, they're like a, they're like a diamond flashing with light sparkling. I read a bit about diamonds just last week as I was thinking about uh, today and our celebrations with Tony and Jill. I read on one website that there are five reasons why you should always photograph and exhibit diamonds on a black background. Uh, I won't go into the five reasons now, but uh, in summary it said something like this, I suppose it's obvious in a way, but it says a black background accentuates the beautiful surfaces of the diamond. It calls attention to the jewelry and it brings out the true value of the stone, of the diamond. And you know, thinking about that, that's exactly what these beautiful verses in our passage this morning do. In the darkness of the book of Lamentations, they stand out. They sparkle like a diamond with hope and faith. Because amid the brokenness and the chaos and the pain, these words of Jeremiah, they celebrate the faithfulness of God through everything. And really, that's, that's my theme this morning. Because surely, as, as Christian people, all the different milestones in our lives, like the one we celebrate today, 60 years of marriage, a diamond anniversary, but all these milestones, maybe a birthday or something, they lead us surely to give thanks to God above all for His faithfulness to us. However long or however short our pilgrim journey has been. And I think it's appropriate to say, amid the brokenness of our society these days, the breakdown, the breakup of relationships, of marriages, of family life, which sadly seem to characterize our society these days, the example of, of Tony and Jill's 60 years of faithfulness to each other in marriage and to their family, their children, their commitments. It's, it's like a diamond in the darkness of our society these days. It truly is something which should be celebrated and above all, for which we give thanks to God. Because I'm sure Tony and Jill with us all, they, they would want to give thanks to God above all for his faithfulness to them and to their family and to each of us, however long or short our, our Christian lives have been or will be. And so there are some wonderful, two really, two wonderful truths about God implied in these diamond verses this morning, which I, I just want to share. I hope they encourage us as we seek to be faithful, faithful in our lives, and above all, faithful to God 
as we seek to follow Jesus. And here's the first one. They're obvious, really, but the first is this. God's faithful love. God's faithful love. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, we're not destroyed, we're not wiped out because of God's great love. Or, that verse 22, it can be as equally well translated, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And perhaps that's the better or the more familiar translation you know. It's a song, isn't it? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's never consumed, it's never wiped out. And that's what the prophet remembers. Jeremiah. He saw the Babylonians coming in against the city of God. He saw the temple of the one true living God being destroyed, being broken down. He saw many of his people killed and being carried away into captivity. And so his heart was broken. But he had a choice to make. He had a choice. He could either let that pain and that sorrow completely overwhelm him and lead him to despair and utter hopelessness, or he could turn to God still and find hope in him. And these verses show us how, how Jeremiah found hope as he faced so much pain and sorrow. Because he says, yet this I call to mind, in spite of everything, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What does he call to mind? What's his hope based on? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We're not finished. We might be down, but we're not out. And so like Jeremiah, we too, no matter how dark sometimes the night, how difficult our circumstances might be, we can always find hope in God, as we trust in God, in God's faithful love. And we can say that, we know that, surely in a way that Jeremiah could never know this side of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We know that God loves us and has loved us so much that he sent his beloved son, Jesus Christ, into the world to be, well, to be fully human, to understand us, to sympathize with us, while remaining fully God, to rescue us. Jesus lived that perfect life. And so he's our perfect representative. And he willingly went to the cross. And he suffered and died to pay the full price that our sins deserve, our disobedience deserve. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and that's what Jesus has done. He's demonstrated God's amazing love, God's faithful love. He took the punishment for us. Jesus was cut off from God the Father for us, for you and for me. He died. But as we've been celebrating these days, on the third day he rose again. And he's alive today. And Jesus now offers us Forgiveness for all our sins and a new life now, a new start as we trust in him, a new life of, of loving and of serving him now and eternal life when this life is done. What an amazing truth. That's the greatest source of our hope and it's rooted in the steadfast love of the Lord which never ceases. So, 
what an encouragement to us. I don't know what your situations are this morning, whatever it may be, you're struggling with something right now. Whatever challenge is, uh, is pulling you perhaps towards, I don't know, um, despondency, despair. Whatever's looming on, on your horizon, which threatens to overwhelm you perhaps, remember, as Jeremiah said, yet this I call to mind, remember that Jesus Christ loves you. And in him, God has demonstrated his love. And he loves you with an unfailing and unending love. So cling, trust in Jesus. Cling to God's great love. Verse 25 of our passage says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So, God's faithful love. And then in the style of Hebrew poetry, which, as I said, this whole book is really written in, the, the writer here, Jeremiah, he repeats the same idea, but from a slightly different angle, a different emphasis. It's called parallelism. You find it a lot in the Psalms, in poetry. Because secondly, he says, he finds hope in God's faithful compassion. Verse 22, his compassions never fail. And again, the Hebrew could be equally well translated, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, compassion, it's feeling with, isn't it? It's feeling another person's hurt or pain and then doing something to comfort them, doing something about it to help them. Compassion is mercy in action. His mercies never come to an end. And remarkably, this word mercy uh, in the Hebrew, in the original, so the scholars tell us, it's, it's connected to, it's based on the Hebrew word for womb, for a, a woman's womb. So that when in the Hebrew scriptures and in the, the poets, they reach for the, the word that best describes the amazing, the astonishing mercy, compassion of God, they use this root word, a woman's womb. So here's a picture, if you like, an image of the combination of deep pain and yet deep love. Imagining God's love, as it were, for us to be like that unique love shared by a mother for her child. Pain, yes, but tremendous love. And God's mercy, God's compassion never comes to an end because Unlike the love and compassion of a mother, however wonderful and great that is, which will one day cease, God's mercy never comes to an end. And not only that, not, a, not, not will they never cease, but they are new every morning. They're not stale. They're not just there like from yesterday or last week. They are new every morning. His compassion, his feeling for us, his sympathy with us. There's a fresh supply of mercy and compassion for every day of our lives. Because of God's faithfulness, every morning brings new provisions for that day, whatever the day holds. Every morning brings new strength for the duties of the day, strength for the temptations of the day, for the trials of the day, new supplies of grace for forgiveness for our sins. His mercies never come to an end. 
What an amazing truth. What an amazing God. So when you're discouraged, remember God's faithfulness. When you doubt, perhaps, when you doubt your, your salvation, remember God's faithfulness. Many Christians I know, are, they can be plagued by doubt because they feel that they're not good enough. They're not good enough Christians to get to heaven, and so they're, they're not sure they, they're plagued with doubt. Well, well, of course they're not. None of us are good enough, but getting to heaven has nothing to do with being good enough. None of us ever qualifies that way. Jesus tells us in, in John's gospel, Jesus said of those who want to follow him, I give them eternal life. It's an amazing gift as we trust in him. And John again says in his letter, I write these things to you, to the church that he's writing to, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you're safe, that you're secure as you trust in Jesus today and forever. The Bible doesn't say, or John didn't say, I write these things to you so that you may really wish that you have eternal life. No. I write these things to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. How? Why? How can he write that? Because of the, the faithful love and the never-ending mercies of our God. So when you're, well, when you're tempted to, to leave the path, tempted to sin, remember God's faithfulness, remember his steadfast love, remember all that he has done for us in Jesus. And when you have made a mess of the day, as we do, as I do, what do we do? Well, don't be plunged into despair. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember the wonderful words of John again in, uh, in his letter. If we confess our sins, he is what? He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. Those three wonderful words, they guarantee God's forgiveness for our sins, for our mess, they guarantee our security as we trust in Jesus. So, again, when, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel unequal to your tasks for the day, remember God's faithfulness. The writer to the Hebrews says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. What wonderful words. Because all of us We'll face moments sooner or later, won't we, when we simply feel, well, I don't know if I can find the strength to go on today. Perhaps we feel overwhelmed by circumstances, or perhaps, perhaps life begins to tumble in, fall in on and around us. So what do you do then? Remember God's faithfulness. He who promised is faithful. And what's he promised? Well, he's promised many things, but... He's promised above all that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And meanwhile, there is strength, there is mercy, there's grace, there's power which is, is new every morning until that day. God's faithful 
mercies, compassion. I'm sure many of you will have heard of Corrie, Corrie Ten Boom. She was a, a Dutch Christian who, uh, along with her father and her sister, they hid Jews in their home in, in Holland uh, during the Second World War until they were betrayed and then they were handed over to the Germans and they were sent to the notorious Ravensbrück concentration camp. Sadly, during a time there, Corrie's father and sister were both killed. But in spite of her loss and that horrible experience, she didn't lose her faith in God. And when she was released some years later, she wrote her famous book now, No Hiding Place. And in that book, she, she expresses how she learned to trust in God even in the midst of the worst of circumstances, in the midst of death, early on in her life. She tells the story of how when she was a little girl and she was afraid, uh, she'd witnessed death close at hand and she, she was wondering what was going to happen to her and to her family, what, what was her future going to look like, what might happen to her. And so she was, she was crying, she was afraid. And uh, so her father sat her down as a little girl and he said to her, Corrie, listen, when you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you the ticket? And she sniffled a little and she said, well, just before we get on the train. Exactly, her father said. And our wise father in heaven knows when we're going to get on the train, knows when we're going to need that thing too. And when the time comes, he will give you what you need at the right time. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning for your every need. Because you see, like Corrie, isn't it? I think it's, it's easy, isn't it, for our, our minds to run ahead of us. And we think about the day and we think about the future. And, and our thoughts can become like a stampede of fear, foreboding. It's natural as for us to, to think about tomorrow. But God has promised strength for each new day. And his faithful love and his faithful compassions and mercy are new every morning, whatever the day holds. So, whether we reach milestones in age and we celebrate those, or wedding anniversaries as we celebrate today, or whether our life is long or short, that doesn't really matter, does it? What matters most is this. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to us, O God. Amen. And so we're going to...